And now, it's Pop Culture Shock with Ben Jamin and Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Shock. I am your host, Ben Jamin, and I am with two-time Emmy Award winner, Hollywood. How are you doing today, Hollywood? Excellent. It's a great night to watch a movie. Now, today we are doing all about Mel Brooks, some of our favorite Mel Brooks films. We'll give our sizzle and our fizzle, and then we have a special Pop 5 uh, tribute coming as well. Uh, But first, let me tell you to uh, look on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Shock. And uh, Holly, what will they find if they look on our Facebook page? We got uh, some contests we're doing. What do you want to tell them? Well, well, first of all, you need to like us on Facebook so you can always stay tuned and see what drawings we are coming up with next. But all the information will be posted for you to enter drawings to win Dunkin' gift cards. So we're having contests and um, it'll be really easy things that you can do pretty simple that you can just go on and see what we're asking people to do and maybe have your chance to get a nice awesome lovely holiday drink on us from Dunkin's. Ooh, that sounds so good. Um, I tell you what, I could go for some Dunkin' right now. <laughs> also, if you check us out Hashtag on... Hashtag not sponsored. Yeah, Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag that was not a sponsor post. <laughs> just our gift to you. Our of, gift to you guys. Our gift. Uh, also, you can check us out on patreon.com and slash pop culture shock that's all one word uh we have three tiers we have a one dollar tier a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier if you're willing to support us uh you would just pay that amount per month so like a dollar i mean that's that's not that much i can find that at my couch cushions um five dollars ten dollars but each one comes with like something we try to give back so the first the dollar tier will allow you to go on the discord chat room and talk to us and we can answer questions and stuff from you guys the five dollar and ten dollar tier um um, includes a Discord chat. Also will include a small or a big prize, depending on uh, what uh, tier you signed up for. So that is how you can get a, a hold of us, or you can follow us on Facebook. We're starting to uh, create an Instagram page, so we'll let you know uh, more details about that as well. And then, like I said, you can catch us on patreon.com forward slash shock. But right before we get into our Mel Brooks episode, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to tell you all about Byron Brubaker's awesome book, uh, so So listen to this and come on back. Be a time traveler. Travel from gravity to a trip to the moon and everywhere in between. Create your own adventure. Reading each movie review. Start at the end or at the beginning. From George Millier's classic silent, A Trip to the Moon, will you choose Jason and the Argonauts, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, It's a mad, 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 mad world. Blazing saddles. Or will you choose to jump to Avatar, Dances with Wolves, Stagecoach, The Poseidon Adventure. Read about movies. Watch movies. Enjoy your own adventure. 100 plus years of movies. Musings of a Flickster Super Reviewer by Byron Brubaker. On Amazon Now. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back at Pop Culture Shocks. This is episode five, our Mel Brooks episode. Uh, hopefully, if you haven't caught it yet, uh, we just released uh, last week our Stephen King episode, our Master of Horror, and also our Monster Mash. Um, so it was our favorite monster, universal monster films, uh, plus our favorite uh, Stephen King horror films. So please check that out. On, you can check it out on Anchor.fm or Spotify or uh, Apple, wherever you are listening to this podcast. So um, <laughs> that was fun. That was really fun reliving those those movies. It last, was for last week. Yeah, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, so I know we'll we'll come back to him uh, yeah. here eventually. But. Uh, all right, tonight. so not tonight. The one tonight. and only. <laughs> I could, we, could, we could almost call him the master of comedy. I mean, he's right up there with with uh, some of the masters Charlie of comedy. Charlie Chaplin, some of all the masters of comedy that are. I, I was th- actually <laughs> thinking about Mel Brooks and the fact that who would be our current, you know, comedy champion right now? Like, like that has iconic films that have lasted. And been so iconic as far as like just being able to look back and like absolutely be able to see a film and go that was a Mel Brooks film. I really can't think of like I don't know. I, I think of people in in they have little bubbles of categories of comedy that people have been really good at, but as far as like superseding the genre and able to that's a good question just, yeah because Let's you think about that while we're talking because here. you have like like you said you have little moments you have the Jim Carrey com- comedies you have the Will Ferrell comedies you have the Adam Sandler comedies but yeah but Mel Brooks has stood like we're going back 30 some 40 years and we're still talking about it to yeah. this day so yeah uh, I mean you guys if you if you've been following along with us we've already given our love to John Hughes we've given our love to Steve Stephen King, uh, and now we're gonna give our love to uh, Mel Brooks. But uh, Mel Holly- Brooks, Hollywood, you got to uh- <laughs> sing. He has so many Mel like Brooks. song and dance numbers. Like in his movies, there's always a song and dance number. Right. So, True. As I talk about him, I might just randomly <clears throat> break out into a tune. <laughs> well, Hollywood, uh, let's get personal. Let's. Uh, what do you got? What's your um, dish on Mel Brooks? What's the story? Okay, well, first of all, first of all, about his personal life before. I talk about you know where he's born or or some of the early days or anything about his life I just want to say that one of the cutest things you know when you look at at old men and think about cute things at least as I do in my personality because we're getting personal with Holly right um he is best friends with Carl Reiner and he who is also a mega star um, in the history of film and TV. And it's just, it's cute. Like, I, they were on Jerry Seinfeld's uh, com- Comedians in Cars. Oh, remember? right, right. It was an episode. And, like, showing the two of that. And it was just so cute. I'm pretty sure that's where I saw them. But they, they sit and they hang out and they just watch movies together every night. And it's just so cool to, to think about a friendship that has lasted so long and that you would just be best friends with this person. They're both widowers. So they are, you know, like well, best friends and always watching movies together. And I just love that. They were <laughs> they were widowers because Carl Reiner passed away uh, recently or passed away not too long ago. Oh, we're going to have to. <laughs> Carl Reiner is not no longer with us. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but go on. Tell us about uh, Mel Brooks. <sighs> when uh, did he die? June 29th. Now I feel really bad. He just died this year. This year? June 29th. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. But he so must, what? he probably knew Mel Brooks from uh, Sid Caesar's Your Show when Shows. They, yeah. So he and Carl Reiner were best friends. Um, rest in peace, Carl Reiner. He just passed away this year. But just the fact that they had been friends for so long and able to hold a friendship and just be best friends. And, you know, that's what we all would kind of aspire to want to have as you're growing old, you know? And so poor Mel Brooks is probably <laughs> <laughs> watching movies <laughs> with his. With his friend Carl Reiner in his head now. Right, right. (laughs) His ghost friend. Another great thing, just thinking about like recent things for Mel Brooks. He was presented in 2013 with the Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Film Institute. Well deserved. He's gotten several awards over his very long and illustrious career. Um, He... There's, there's not much that I can say that adds to what most people already know as a household name in entertainment. And I'm just scrolling back up to my, the top of my page. <laughs> um, so he did get his start with the Sid Caesar show way back in the 50s. And can you just imagine the like it, we're in 2020 now? Yeah, I mean, 70 years ago, huh? So, so many decades of inspiration for his films, first of all, because he's always making fun of another genre or another film. And, you know, that's been part of his shtick, you know, is that he has done parody and turned it into a, you know, a perfect world for him. Yeah. You know, like as far as like just showing like his craft and his ability to take something, it could be the most serious thing and turn it into something that is outright hilarious. Almost an art form. It's like he turned it into an art form. Uh, art form. <laughs> and, you know, you got to like take it back some to originally working with Sid Caesar and some of the amazing things. I don't know if you've ever seen his show, but um, I have actually gone back and watched some of those early TV shows. And it is so fascinating. And it's fascinating to to think, where did they come up with this stuff? Because it's genius, you know? It's right. like, wow, these guys are so smart. And they have so much talent that they can look at a situation and turn all of these things around with the characters or with one thing could happen and then imagining all these hilarious scenarios that would ensue after one little thing could like stir up a whole scene you know like they're the masters of comedy before Mm. we have everything else that has come after that which is like snl and so much of the sketch comedy things that we know of today going back to some of these just really really bold moves by these guys who were just in a room going hey this is hilarious let's try it (laughs) right right like even like uh carol burnett show and stuff like that like all the sketch comedies yeah yeah <clears throat> All right. Anything else you got to share with us? He was married to Anne Bancroft, who was also in some of his films. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So if that was not something that people, you know, randomly actually knew, he was married to Anne Bancroft. Wow. I don't think I knew that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Who famously was Mrs. Robinson for anyone who doesn't know who Anne Bancroft yes. is. She was Mrs. Robinson from the film The Graduate, which I think was pretty much her most famous role. She's had a lot of fake roles, um, but that's the one that I think most everybody knows that name from. Oh, yeah. um, Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. 
<laughs> Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Um, so, so yeah, let's get into some of his films because I think like the deep dives we can do just reflect more and more on the talent of Mel Brooks in the first place. Okay. Well, we have to start with the first film I got to watch, and you've seen it before, so you know where what it's coming. But if we go in like a chronological order, uh, 1968, yeah. The Producers, starring Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder. This is like starting to be a theme. Uh, we will see a theme. Gene Wilder will be in Gene a, Wilder's one of a his few good of his movies. Well. Yes. So what do you what do you think of what's your take on The Producers before I I tell you mine because mine. I, I couldn't get into it, to be honest with you. I, I couldn't get into it. Um, but go The first, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Tell, what's your take? The first time I saw it, I was like, eh, I don't understand why my friends are laughing at this. And then after I had seen it all the way through, I got it. And then the next time I watched it, then I was like, oh my God, it's laugh out loud hilarious because I was, I, I kind of mm. knew what was coming a little more mm. and I understood what they were trying to do. The first time I saw it, I was like, I don't understand why they would want to like not make money or like do something bad on purpose. Right. You know? <laughs> make this Broadway then, show a flop. <laughs> a flop on purpose. But then like, then you see just the grand chaos and crazy ridiculousness that could ensue from that and and then i was like oh my god this is hilarious it's the most hilarious thing you know of being a theater person right and just kind of like, considering the fact that most people don't have to try that hard in order to have a flop <laughs> okay you know <laughs> so i i couldn't get all the way through it so are you telling me should i give it one more try or should i just Try to watch the Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick. Just try uh, to watch the newer one. Okay. Because, um, because like, there are still things, you know, going back and watching movies from, you know, 60s and 70s and 80s. Sometimes sometimes our style changes on what we can, like, sit through, you know? Right. And I know that some of that was a little bit longer, a little less polished uh, than the, the one that was newer here just a few years ago. Well, I'd say a few years ago, but it was... What year did that come out? I think it was... Recent, but I think it was like... The late 90s, early 2000s, maybe? Early, I think it was early 2000s. Um, but either way, I think give that the second one a try and see. I mean, it has Will Ferrell, so... It, it does, and I do like Will Ferrell. It's pretty... And Matthew Broderick is really a great actor, and he plays that, like really hyped up character really well. Well, I, I do like all three. I like Nathan Lane. Nathan I like Lane. Matthew Broderick. Nathan yes. Lane is absolutely. So I will I will check it out. I just, if you were going to give a, a star rating to the original producers, what would you give it? I guess I'd probably give it like a, okay, for comedy, three and a half to four. Three and a half. Okay. That might be a little harsh, but I think three and a half. Well, that sounds really good. What would you give it? Um, because I couldn't sit through it all, I gave it a one. <laughs> so I tell you what, I just... And I thought I was harsh. <laughs> I just looked up the new one. It, it came out in 2005. So 2005. I, okay, I am yeah. writing that down right now. I will get it uh, and check it out. Because um, I do <laughs> like Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick and Will Ferrell. So I hopefully that yeah. one will wow me. I just couldn't get into the first one. Um, yeah, the pacing was definitely slower in the first one. The one that was more recent, the pacing 
picks up quicker and I think that the rhythm of that has a little more like substance to it to keep you interested. Okay. For sure. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll tell you a little bit more of that a little bit later on in my sizzles and fizzles. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk a little <laughs> bit more about the producers. So, all right, well, so the next next film up, we kind of talked about this a little bit on our last podcast um, mm-hmm. with the uh, Universal Monster Mash, um, but it's Young Frankenstein. It came back and it came out in 1974. Uh, once again, Gene Wilder, Terry Garr, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, and Peter Boyle. about this a little bit last time but uh, we could talk about it more here because this I mean this is one of his gold standard films absolutely it's such my it's my favorite I'm not gonna lie it's my favorite Mel Brooks film yeah is that your top one that's your top one yeah yes <clears throat> okay yes 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 it's it's right up there with it's right up there for me it's at least in the top three and I, I because I think for me it it really checks all of the boxes when I think about a great comedy, a great film, and something that I like to share with other people. Um, because the cast is amazing. It's like such all-around awesome cast. Every single actor in every single part is just so perfectly, like perfectly perfect for that role and and they just play it so effortlessly that it just comes together and it gels together so well. And when it comes to, like, I just want to share it with people because, like, I, I share it with my nieces and nephews, you know? Like, it's it's something that is still wholesome enough right. that we can all sit on the couch and laugh at it and... Like, and you don't have to know necessarily the story, the backstory of the original Frankenstein movie in order for it to be funny because there's a lot of physical humor. There are, you know, the different um, shticks that he puts in there, you know. Right, um, right. Every time, you know, Cloris Leachman's character. <laughs> she was hilarious. Line, She's hilarious. You know, like, or just the things with Igor and everything. It's just like perfectly brilliant like, put together. Brilliant. There yes. You go. There's the word. Brilliant. <laughs> it's uh, brilliant. You know what? That that was one that we had our daughter sit down with us, our 12 year old. We're we're kind of slowly getting her into our some of our favorite films, and she absolutely loved it. She kept saying at, after it was done, like even later in the day, she kept saying, "Put the candle." back you know put the candle back you know that whole scene yeah um, it's just hilarious it's um with between gene wilder putting and terry the Gar. there's yes there's always a song and dance they're put, putting on the ritz with the <laughs> that is so true <laughs> with peter boyle as frankenstein's monster put it's, like, <laughs> it's just so fun i mean just <laughs> 
brilliant. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. All right, so what would you rank that? You said that was your all-time favorite Mel Brooks film. It's so this- my all-time favorite Mel Brooks, so it's getting a five. Five stars? Oh, All right. Of course. I yeah. will also give it a five stars. I will give it a five star as well. It's it's classic. It's one of those you can watch anytime and it still holds up. It doesn't up. have to be a Halloween movie. It's It holds up. It even cracks me up the fact that it is a black and white movie and it still holds your attention. Like so many, like I try, you know, at first when I try to show it to a nephew or something, like it's a black and white movie. Why are you right. going to show this to me? Right. <laughs> you know, like it seems so old even though it could have been in color but they made it black and white in order for the the you know the theme of frankenstein but it gets right into it pretty quickly so you forget that it's in black and white because you're just so thoroughly entertained by these characters and this silly storyline. <laughs> I, I also love the part where he's, um, I think it was right after Frankenstein came alive or whatever, and he's like, whose brain did you get this from? And Igor is like, Abby, uh, Abby normal. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of abnormal, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is hilarious. I love the like, roll, roll, roll and see, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, uh, and that's a common theme too. He he always he had Gene Wilder in um, at least uh, you know a few of his movies. He had Madeline Kahn in a bunch of and Cloris Leachman. He he had he was yeah. almost like Adam Sandler today. Puts all of his good friends his in his best movies. In that's what movies. Mel Brooks yeah. did. Yes, Mel Brooks would yeah. do that. So it that's so cool uh, to see yeah. that. That's uh, like Judd Apatow, always using the same people. Yes, in his movies. yes. You you <laughs> you work with who you're comfortable with, right? You know. Yep. Okay. So we both gave that five stars. It's both one of our favorites. If we move on to the controversial 1974 hit, Blazing Saddles, this again starred Gene Wilder and Madeline Kahn, had Harvey Korman in it, Mel Brooks was also in it, Slim Pickens and Cleavon Little as Bart. So uh, what is your take on Blazing Saddles? I did go back and rewatch it, and um, I watched the whole thing. (laughs) And uh, because my husband... And, you know, we have all of these on DVD. It was funny just to even look at the imagery on the DVD case, first of all, and be like, wow, things have really changed in the world. Correct. Because, you know, even the imagery, you know, has... Um, you know, uh, an Indian and the cowboy and, you know, it's the cowboy and it's just, I don't know, it seemed just kind of jarring even like, you know, in, in our day and age now with, uh, with much, with the uh, racial relations and everything. So it, there was a lot that you had to stomach just to even go through this yes, film yes. nowadays because it's, it's a lot of, you know, there's the N-word, there's quite a bit. Qu- there, there's there's quite a bit of stereotyping that is used for the ends of humor and for, you know, for a cheap laugh or... Yeah, a cheap laugh. Yeah. And look, it's Blazing Saddles. I mean, you I'm been... trying to like be, yeah. I'm trying you... to be careful about exactly how I say it, but it's it's a, you know, it's very provocative film because of how it portrays black people, right. white people, the relationships of the time and Yeah. I mean, there are some funny parts to it, but at the expense of things that are not necessarily as 
acceptable now. Correct. I mean, you when you talk Mel Brooks and you even ask people, you know, name your name the favorite Mel Brooks film or name the most popular one. Blazing Saddles actually comes out comes up a lot. It comes up in the conversation a lot. And it, yes, it does have its funny moments, but that film does not hold up at all today. Like you were saying, I mean, like in the first ten minutes, they said the N word like at least ten times. Mm-hmm. So it was. But I do it was very, say that. Like, I mean, ultimately, though, the the black character does get to be the like, aha, see, and it, right, it, right. It, it actually is in the mindset, you know, for Mel Brooks to be able to kind of like throw these out there because he knew that they were issues of the time. He knew there were civil rights issues and and um and ways that people were stereotyping certain things, and he was just putting it out there and letting you know the black guy gets to be the hero of that character and you know and kind of show these people what can be done if you're just creative and you have you know outsmart the bad guys and everything but it still is it, it was it was still rough you know to yeah as far as like someone who you know sees what what it looks like nowadays and then looking back on the way it was and like just not like <laughs> that's that's why I am shocked to, at how popular it is or how popular it has become um mm-hmm. I don't know I I it wasn't one that I would probably watch again if that makes sense like a lot of these I can watch right. over and over again I probably wouldn't watch that one again and so and that is kind of on the topic of sometimes when you think about films and you think about stories you think about does the end justify the means that was a big thing that we were learning about in film school when you show things that are uncomfortable sometimes those means work out to get to the end that you want to see and it pays off so that that character gets a little bit of revenge even though they had to go through bad things or you know so like there are you know when you look at it with a critical eye in in that aspect i can understand it a little bit better but as far as just watching something for entertainment as a whole it doesn't hold up as as well as something else that you can really have gentle laughter into a hoot and a holler of a laughter and not feel guilty about what that laughter actually means if you know what I mean. <laughs> right, right. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Well, so if you were to rank uh, Blazing Saddles, how many stars do you give it? There were still funny parts of it. The acting, you know, I mean, it was it was really great. Um, Cleavon Little and Gene Wilder, yeah. the, you know, the main stars, they, you know, they did a good job, you know, acting and they, it really was funny. Um, it's just like... <laughs> Sorry, I just had a lot of cringing during a lot of the Mm. scenes. So because of the cringing and because my boyfriend in college made me watch it and I was still not a fan even like 15, 20 years ago, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. All right. Two and a half. Maybe two and a half. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Final answer? Final answer. Two and a half. Okay. I'm kind of right there with you. I give it a two. Like, Like you said, it had funny moments. It actually had a song like right in the beginning of the film there's a song mm-hmm. when they're yeah. working on the railroad and stuff but yeah I just it's just not one that I could watch again you know what I mean does that yeah. make sense yeah. so yeah and for those of you listening out there 
you guys might love Mel Brooks films and you might disagree with us. You might agree with us. You might be brand new to Mel Brooks films. And so we're kind of weeding through them and kind of telling you what to watch, maybe maybe what to not watch. Kind of, So you just kind of take it with a grain of salt. But our next film came out in 1977, uh, starring Mel Brooks himself, High Anxiety. Also had Madeline Kahn again, Floris Leachman again, Harvey Corman again, and Dick Van Patten from uh, TV's Eight is Enough. So uh, High Anxiety, Holly, what did you think about that one? I really enjoyed it. I am ultimately a Hitchcock fan. So yes. this is right up my alley watching this. And um, and I just really enjoyed the, the sort of mystery of it, but with uh, all the hints of comedy and the things that just kind of pop up and make you go, oh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> right. You know, like, it just, it's, you know, it's a little bit smarter of a comedy and not, I mean, there was still the physical gags a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but also, like, knowing the context of some of the Hitchcock films just makes it even, even more fun and enjoyable. I don't know if I was quite ready to see Cloris Leachman and Harvey Corman doing the Dominatrix stuff with the whips and the chains and the... <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got to get that image out of my head. That's so funny. What am I watching here? But yeah, I, I thought it was fun. And I, and I enjoy Hitchcock movies. In fact, we should probably do a Hitchcock podcast. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Sometime um, that would be great. Oh, but the the scene in this film, the ultimate, like, I, like, my husband and I were watching this together and we were, like, rolling on, literally rolling on the floor laughing almost. <laughs> I think he fell off on the floor. No, not really. But the scene that is the bathtub scene from Psycho, but it's like in this film, yes. he was in the shower. He was in the shower and he's at the hotel. And the the news guy, or not the news guy, the like bellhop character. Yes, I forget his name. He comes in with his newspaper. And he starts beating him, beating him with the newspaper. <laughs> he pulls the shower curtain down. It's straight out of. It's like shot. Yeah, straight out of Psycho. Like straight out of. Psycho. That was awesome. I love that. <laughs> it was and then, so funny. And then you see instead of the blood in the bathtub and the water, like in the drain, you see like the ink from the it newspaper. Was the ink from the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. I yeah, like that one. So great. It I like was that. So hilarious. And and just just the. I mean that just goes back to Mel Gibson. Oh, I almost said Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. <laughs> Mel Gibson will be a, a different podcast. Different podcast. Back to Mel Brooks and his way of being able to see a situation and just turn it upside down and make it just gobsmackingly hilarious. Yes. That was actually one of the rare ones, I mean, that where Mel Brooks is the main character. Usually he'll yeah. have a small little cameo or he'll be the side mm -hmm. character, but this one, it was all, it was Mel Brooks' film. It was, it was all him. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I gave it a three and a half stars. I enjoyed uh, the Hitchcockian parody. Mm -hmm. Hitchcockian. Hitchcockian. What about I give you? it a four and a half. Four and a half. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind the dominatrix stuff. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was, I was like, what am I watching? <sighs> oh my goodness. Because it's like, you know, like a psychiatric hospital and you've got to imagine that there's all kinds of kinky, you know, weird stuff different, going on. Like weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So that, next. that one, except for Young Frankenstein, those, I mean, that's the, the one I've enjoyed the most so far. 
Park. Next up on our list, 1987 Spaceballs, starring Bill Pullman, Daphne Zuniga, John Candy, Joan Rivers, Rick Moranis, and Mel Brooks. We'll find them, catch them! Yes, sir! Prepare ship for light speed! No, 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 light speed is too slow! Light speed too slow? Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed! <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it to you. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Prepare ship! Prepare ship for ludicrous speed! So I could talk a while on this. So go ahead and tell me your thoughts uh, before I tell you my thoughts. Well, I mean, my short my thoughts on this are pretty short. It's a very enjoyable film. There are some just really great parodies going on. Um, it's iconic. The you know Rick Moranis's costume and <laughs> what it looks like. His huge helmet. And his huge helmet. <laughs> you know, being you know playing you know parodying the Darth Vader character and the, you know, it's just really entertaining. It's fun. I'm not a major Star Wars fan. Okay. I have watched Star Wars movies, but I wouldn't call myself like a super fan, you know? Okay. But You're but familiar know, with them. You're familiar with them. I'm familiar enough to yeah. understand and enjoy all of the fun, you know, things that are making fun of Star Wars. So, so Spaceballs was a really funny movie. And I actually, as a kid, I saw Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> As a kid, I had seen Spaceballs and thought that it was, you know, a really great film and really funny. And then when I saw Star Wars, I was really confused. <laughs> <laughs> you saw him in reverse. I saw him in reverse as a kid. So <laughs> Why why is Lord Dark Helmet so serious now? Like why is he and he changed his name to Vader? Like what's that about? Um that's funny. Uh yeah, I'm a huge fan of Spaceballs. Why is John Candy's Arf character now Chewbacca? Not Chewbacca and I can't understand him. You yeah, you totally did it in reverse. That's so funny. I sat this was one of those where I sat my daughter down, my twelve year old daughter, and she she absolutely enjoyed it. It was fun for her because she picked out she's kind of getting on my wavelength when it comes to films she picks out people and what films that they were in and so she sees john candy uh-huh. she's like hey that's the guy from home alone and uncle buck i said yes that's oh, john awesome. candy um he was amazing <laughs> she just like he that's so cool that's how she's familiar with john candy and then she said awesome. she sees rick moranis you are raising her right <laughs> she sees rick moranis and she's like hey that's the guy from honey i shrunk the kids and ghostbusters oh, yeah. 
And I was like, yes, yes, you are doing very well. I'm like, those are two of the best right there, John Candy and Rick Moranis. Um, The movie, this movie is so quotable. There's a lot of quotes I love from this movie. But like you said, I am a Star Wars fan. Uh, You're more of an Uh acquaintance, it sounds like. You're an acquaintance with Star Wars. Whereas I was kind of like, maybe I went on a date with them. I'm not like a married to Star Wars, but I (laughs) I enjoy Star Wars. Um, They also reference Star Trek. They reference Planet of the Apes. Uh, Like you said, they they parody a bunch of stuff. They do parody several different Star um, or sci-fi themed. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, If you were to give me like, hey, name five movies that you can only watch for the rest of your life or or name a movie that you can jump in into the middle and, and just start watching and not and know exactly what's going and that would be Spaceballs is one of them like Spaceballs is one that I would watch for forever or I could just jump in at any time if it's on TV or whatever uh, I think Breakfast Club I mentioned that before yeah um, one of them back to, I love the Back to the Future films so stuff like that I can just uh, I enjoy watching those anytime it's on no matter what but it's interesting to me that he's got some new people in this like he doesn't have uh, Madeline Kahn he doesn't have Cloris Leachman instead he has Joan Rivers so we get a Joan Rivers uh, mm-hmm. as the C-3PO uh, dot matrix. And then, of course, Mel Brooks is as Yogurt, or the Yoda mm-hmm. character, is yeah. hilarious, too. Oh, and he's President Scroop. So he's actually plays two different characters in Spaceballs. So one of the famous... Oh, right. One of his... Uh, whenever he gets beamed up to the spaceship, which is literally just the next room over, and his his body is all messed up, and he goes, how come nobody told me my butt is so big? Because he's, like, backwards. Uh- but that's, like, one of the favorite... That's one of my favorite scenes, too. But if I were to give it a star ranking, I would give it a five, because like I said, it's one of my favorites. You said it's not as high up there, so what's your star ranking for that one? I would probably give it a three and a half myself. Okay. Three and a half (laughs) for myself. Only because I'm not a huge, you know, like, as much as I am more of a fan of, like, the Hitchcock or... Right, Young Frankenstein. the other stuff, the Young Frankenstein. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so, yeah. I think yeah, three and a half. Okay. All right. Three and a half still passing grade. Still passing grade. All right. So then we just finished Spaceballs. So now the next one, and I think it's the last one that we're kind of reviewing, uh, mm-hmm. was 1993's Robin Hood Men in Tights. Let me get this shit. Go ahead. Take a look around. Oh, people are shit. What you been? Hey. Men in tights. We're men. We're manly men. We're men in tights. We're manly men in tights. Tights. All right. We're having fun. At least we're having fun. So that stars Carrie Elways, Amy Yazbeck, Richard Lewis, David Chappelle, Tracy Allman, Mel Brooks, and Dick Van Patten as well. Oh, Tracy Allman is so funny. Tracy Allman. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what. This was another one we sat my daughter down, and she obviously she goes to the actor route, and she goes, hey, that's the Princess Bride guy. So yes, I'm like, all right, she's putting things together here. But I, I still love Robin Hood Men in Tights. I think that still holds up pretty, pretty well. I think for the most part, there are some jokes that were kind of cringy, yeah. but not as many as Blazing Saddles. Right. And and it was more on the the level of some of, instead of more of the racial issues in Blazing Saddles, it was 
um, some of the maybe gay or LGBT sort of like right. butt of the joke kind of things. Right. Um, that were kind of like, oh god, that's not funny anymore. But okay. <laughs> right. But but overall, it was still a very funny film. Right. Very and enjoyable. I, some of it's a little outdated, like you said. Like whenever he does the whole, um, he bends down and he he does the Reebok pumps, and my daughter's <laughs> oh, yeah. like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, oh my word. Yeah. I had really. I <laughs> my husband and I were having fun actually picking out some of those moments where it was like people wouldn't even know what that is referring to nowadays. Right. Because it because it wasn't part of the it wasn't part of the like old school actual like medieval times it was part it was like of the eighties or the nineties early nineties so yeah like little things that were kind of thrown in there that you would only know if you knew pop culture of the time right can you even find a pair of Reebok pumps like can you go on Amazon and order a pair of Reebok pumps I don't even know like do they even exist anymore do they have Nike pumps though uh, I don't know They're Reebok I don't... or Nike. It was Reebok yeah, pumps, I, yeah. I don't know. That's it's stuff like that though. It's where it was kind of a little outdated, or it was of the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. But this, I, this film, I thoroughly enjoy it. And every time I see Amy Yazbek, I get sad because I'm a huge John Ritter fan. And by the and we yeah. that should be another podcast idea because I'm hu- I'm such a huge John Ritter fan. Yeah. But and and she's the the widow of John Ritter. So every time I see her, yeah, I get a little teary eyed because I miss John Ritter. But any. I digress. Yeah. I think I think all of them were hilarious. I think Carrie Elways was was good in that role as Robin Hood. Richard Lewis with his mole that moves all over oh, his face. Oh, the mole kept moving oh, in every my scene. Goodness. It was in a different place on his face, and that was just. I mean, and that that goes like Mel Brooks does something like that in every film where it's like a little Easter egg where you're looking for something like, wait, something changed. Right. And they did it on purpose. Like <laughs> like Igor's hump in Frank- hump Young Frankenstein. In, in Young Frankenstein yep. is on one side and then the other and you're and you're thinking like, okay. And so they play on those physical things that can kind of change and throw you off as an audience member and go, oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. This, and it, this is another one of those quotable movies as well. Dave Chappelle is hilarious um, as uh, Achoo. Yes. Achoo. Achoo. I mean, <laughs> his name's Achoo for crying out loud. I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's one of my uh, favorite uh, Mel Brooks films. Um, and like you said, oh my goodness, yes. And like you said, Tracy Allman is hilarious. I think she steals every scene that she is in. <sighs> She just steals it. It's just, she was brilliant. And the, and the cool thing is, is we just recently, not that long ago, watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And so when you're watching this now, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and you could tell that they took some stuff from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, yes. It's really cool. To go back and you see the context and why they even like shot things the way they did and just some of the the things that they make outlandish on purpose right because of the maybe the original film had you know different things that were kind of like why would they do that oh right right <laughs> okay so uh i would give it a four star i give it a four star i to me it's space balls and young frankenstein and then robin hood men in tights and high anxiety like right below right below those like those would be my top four what about you i put it for me i put it right below High Anxiety and Young Frankenstein. So I would probably give it a four. Okay. Yeah. That might be four the first one we half. agreed. Well, no, we agreed on four. Young Frankenstein. Yeah, so we both give it a four. Yeah, yes. we both agreed with Young 
Young Frankenstein. And then Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, I tell you, if you guys haven't seen any of these films, I highly suggest, especially the ones that still kind of are really funny and hold up today, definitely check out Young Frankenstein. Definitely check out High Anxiety, especially if you're an Alfred Hitchcock fan. Check out Spaceballs if you like the sci-fi stuff, if you like Star Wars and stuff like that. And then check out Robin Hood Men in Tights as well. Uh, Now there are some other Mel Brooks films that we didn't get to watch, uh, like Silent Movie or uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It or History of the World. Um, those are some other Mel Brooks that you could check out on your own if you want. Holly, are you, uh, are you, you have anything else to say about that before we go into our sizzles and fizzles? Let's do our sizzles and fizzles. Woo-woo! All right, so what, let's do sizzles first. Holly, do you have a, a sizzle number one? Well, my sizzle number one would be back to speaking of the film The Producers, and I just love the song Springtime for Hitler and Germany. I just, I, that song sometimes will just randomly get stuck in my head. And so, you know, if you don't have the context to know that film and you hear it, it's like, what is that person singing? <laughs> right, right. But like, if you know the film, it's hilarious because, you know, these characters were trying to make a flop of a film. And, you know, of course you would think singing and dancing Nazis would not be something that would make money. And and so they came up with this musical and <laughs> and the Nazis dancing and singing springtime for Hitler. And it was just, I just, I love the juxtaposition because, I mean, Mel Brooks is Jewish and so many of his jokes have that, like, that's part of him and some of that comes out in so many of the different, like, scenarios that he comes up with or some of the dialogue with the different Jewish words sometimes and just that juxtaposition of the him making fun of Nazis and the Holocaust and making that something that would be so serious and tragic into a comedy right it's just brilliant and being able to take something like that so I just that's that's my one major sizzle of Mel Brooks is that I just love that song because <laughs> of the the pure ridiculousness of um of how happy that can be and the other thing is just a sizzle in general like i said young frankenstein is my favorite mel brooks film and i you can try to fight me but that's the best one (laughs) hey we even saw young frankenstein as the musical and it was done very well um and so uh, what we didn't talk about play as a stage play yeah what we didn't talk about is in the movie gene hackman plays the blind guy that frankenstein goes and 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 he's sitting there like pouring his drink and he spills it on frankenstein and that whole um scene was just so funny and it's like that's gene hackman like he's always like a serious actor yeah he's like a serious role yeah yeah and he can just jump in there and be funny too it was that was one of my favorite parts okay so was that it for you those are your sizzles yep those are my sizzles so my sizzle is like i said i i absolutely love um 
Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights, but I also love that I got to watch them with my daughter. So it was almost like yeah. seeing seeing her face watching them for the first time. So, and, so and, cool. And yep. she knows some of the actors. I just need to tell her the names, but she knows where she sees them from. Uh, like I said, Moranis from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, mm-hmm. uh, John Candy from Home Alone, um, Princess Bride, Carrie Elways. But um, so I enjoy that. I'm enjoying finding new stuff that is appropriate enough and safe enough for her to just uh, bust out and start laughing uh, and then enjoy like yes. we do. I, I just really enjoy. Yeah. I love some of the quotes. Um, I Out of the blue, I, I can, on any given day, I can be like just randomly saying a Robin Hood Men in Tights quote, like I'm on the east side, I'm on the west side. You know, just for some reason, yeah. that quote just is always in my head. I'm on the east side, I'm on the west side. Um, one of my favorite movie moments is from Spaceballs, and it's the part where they're talking about, they're trying to find where Lone Star and where his uh, where they're all at. And so they're like, well, let's go look at the um, the video. And Rick Moranis is like, wait, we're not even done shooting it yet. And um, <laughs> the captain's like, well, this is a brand new technology. They The movie's out on home video yep. before it even is out in the theaters. And so then they do the whole thing. Um, Rick Moranis is like, what the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? And then he's like, now. You're looking at it now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. We'll go back to then. What? Then. I can't. Why not? We passed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon! <laughs> I love that part. I love that whole part. Into, yeah, that kind of like, um, who's who's on first kind of thing. Yes. Back and forth. Yes. It's so, so fun to like get into those like word plays and everything. Uh, and it's so well Good written. Stuff. Like, yeah. it's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> <laughs> Quoting that's from Seinfeld. Um, for those of you who don't know, but um, okay. So, what's some of your fizzles? What's your fizzles? Okay, I had one fizzle, and that is I did actually watch the movie Silent Movie. I had my husband get it from the library. Oh, okay, and I have to say, first of all, I am a silent movie aficionado. Like I will sit and watch silent movies. I enjoy them. You're not a I, silent I film like snob. To, I'm. I'm <laughs> I guess it makes me a film snob that I do like silent movies. Okay, you're a good snob. Good snob. (laughs) But this movie did not do it for me and like as someone who has seen a lot of silent films like I got it like there were there were things that it was you know like a lot of physical humor and you know it just did not have enough flavor and interest to keep me coming or to to keep me like watching or interested and um and sometimes that sometimes that's what happens with silent movies because you don't have dialogue to carry you you know you don't have like it is it has to be like very physical and very like visual humor but it just it wasn't enough i just thought it was like pretty bad <laughs> that's like your big whammy like you're wah, t- wah. Wah, wah. everybody yeah. do not watch silent films or silent movies silent movie it's called silent movie yeah is what it's called yep. it's a big fizzle unfortunately it's yeah a, it's a big fizzle right there anything else mm-hmm. any fizzles any other fizzles nope, that's no the one. i tell you what i I said it a little bit earlier. I, I couldn't get into the producers all that much. I will I will try to watch the brand new one, the newer one that came out in 05. It was just Gene Wilder's character, and I'm usually a fan of Gene Wilder, um, but his character in that movie was just always yelling. It was He was always shouting. Uh, he was going hysterical, and I know that's his character, but it was just so off-putting. And if you've been listening yeah. to us from the beginning, I seem to f- always have this character that I just 
just annoys the heck out of me. Whether it's <laughs> yes. Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, whether it's <laughs> Drew Barrymore in Firestarter, the Who's the Boss Kid in the Cujo film. Now it's Gene Wilder. This guy, I mean, we should just make a segment of this podcast called Who Got on Ben's Nerves This Time? Because it was totally Gene Wilder in The Producers. He was just so shouting all the time. So yeah. that's my... And it's funny that that you see it that way, though, because I I can see your point. And then at the same time, I also think that that's kind of like, that's the reason why he had to be that way. Because, I mean, his the stakes had to be so high for him to be like so outrageously... True, up, true. Like, okay, <laughs> I have to be at my very wit's end in order to even try to pull off this... <laughs> this like attempt to lose okay. the audience and everything. <laughs> I could see that but it, it's also probably the combination of watching him in Young Frankenstein where he plays a little bit of that part. Yeah, and, and it, it like builds. His, yes. That builds in that character you build, it builds up to it. And then even, But if it starts out that way and stays that way, it is a lot. Yes. It is a lot. That's and it kind of sure. does that. Like as soon as yeah. Gene Wilder comes it, into the movie. It's co- just like boom. <laughs> um, it's like Kramer all the time and you can't get away from yeah. <laughs> Another Seinfeld reference. Yes, he would have Kramer would have a different entrance every time he entered Seinfeld. I loved it. And then, like I said, Blazing Saddles. I couldn't get into it. It didn't. It doesn't. Uh, I don't think it holds up as well. We talked about that. And then the other, my other fizzle uh, is I'm really bummed out I, after watching Spaceballs again. I really wanted some of that Spaceballs merchandise that they were trying to sell. They had the toilet paper. They had the Spaceballs blowtorch. They had the Spaceballs uh, T-shirts. I'm like. Give me some Spaceballs merch. Give me the Spaceballs sequel. Um, the quest for more money, as uh, Yogurt Mel Brooks would say. Spaceballs yeah. 2. So that's my other fizzle. You know, it could be a prime time for that to be, you know, coming back in style. Because there's a lot of things that are coming back, you know, from the 80s. And, True. and being popular again because of millennials and all of the nostalgia around things from our childhood. So maybe there's hope for some of that. Spaceballs merch. <laughs> right, right. To come. <laughs> I was going to say, if they're going to do a sequel, they better hurry up because we don't have uh, John Candy, we don't have Joan Rivers, and, and you know, we yeah. love Mel Brooks, but how much longer are we going to have Mel Brooks? You know, he's in his 90s, so. All right, so that was our sizzle and our fizzle, and now it's uh, our time for our pop five, where uh, Hollywood and I usually give our favorite top five things, our topics, that either has to do with our main topic, or or another um, topic. So like our last show, it was Halloween time. So we talked about our favorite pop five Halloween candy. That was a lot of fun. This one, this one, uh, first we'd like to pay tribute, uh, maybe a little rest in peace moment to, first of all, TV legend Alex Trebek, who uh, recently passed away. And then movie star, uh, original James Bond, Sean Connery, who also passed away a few weeks ago. So uh, just want to give a little bit of respect to them as well. So because of that, we're going to do our Sean Connery Pop 5. So this is in honor of the late, great Sean Connery. This, these are our favorite Sean Connery films, our Pop 5. Top 5. 
All right, so uh, I'm going to go, uh, we'll go back and forth, uh, go from five to one, okay, so like we normally sure. do. So yep. what? what's your uh, What's your number five? My number five is a little movie that came out in 1998, and it is called The Avengers. Oh, okay, not, yeah. Not the Avengers no. that we know today. Not Marvel Avengers. Not Marvel Avengers, but this was actually based on a British TV series, and... Um, you know, he starred with Uma Thurman and Ralph Fiennes. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I just remember, you know, like, looking back at Sean Connery's career, we haven't seen anything from him in a, in a few years. And, right. and des- definitely not in a while as far as iconic things from him. Um, but he's definitely part of the times that you and I were, you know, seeing a lot of movies in our youth. So I, I just, I really remember enjoying that film and his character and I just really enjoyed it. So that's my number top five. All right. Okay. And I will be honest with you. I've never seen that one. So I might have to check that out. I know I of really it. I enjoyed it. I know I of really it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Well, looking him up real quick, it looks like his last film, he did like a TV movie in uh, 2007, Modern Greeks. Uh, he was the narrator. So that wasn't even hardly anything. So basically the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003 was like his last was like one of his big films. Wow, yes. So long ago. That was. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you, Hollywood. I'm going to be honest with our listeners out there. I am a Aww. huge Sean Connery fan, but I'm more of a fan of the late 80s and 90s uh, Sean Connery. So I, 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 I've I never seen <gasps> any of Don't his James Bond roles. What? I know. What? I, I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. You, can, you call yourself a movie buff and you I tell you what. I know. I know. As James I'm going to have to check him out now because uh, I kind of got into Bond later. So I've seen all the, I've seen some of the Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, and then some of the Daniel Craig ones. So I've never seen the Sean Connery ones, but I do need to. And I've never seen the Highlander films, which are uh, huge films from the 80s. And then the Untouchables. I never saw those either. And he won like an Oscar. I have to admit, I've never seen the Untouchables, but I I should have. He's won an (laughs) Oscar for that one. So yeah. I, I definitely need to check that out on my list. And then Highlander is just has got like a cult following for for that movie with him and Christopher Lambert. So my number five though is, and this is where you're gonna probably argue with me because it's on your <laughs> list, but it's my number five, and that's First Night with him and Richard Gere. I thoroughly enjoyed it and, uh, as well, but it, it only makes my top five or my number five because I, I have enjoyed him in other things after that. So that is my number five. I know you're going to talk about that a little later. A little higher on my list. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or what's your uh, number four film? My number four is a little <laughs> movie called The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> the Rock. The uh, Rock. Of course, it's a Michael Bay film. So yes. it was was, you know, high, you know, action thriller kind of. Um, it was just a really fun film. And just Sean Connery had a great character in it. It was with Nicolas Cage and Ed Harris. So that's, 
you know, an ultimate, like, top-level cast, and it was just a really fun, enjoyable movie. It was. Um, that's an all-star cast right there, those three. Okay, mm-hmm. I see your rock, and I mentioned this a little bit ago. My number four, and he only had a small part, but I'm only uh-huh. counting I'm only counting this because I love the movie, the whole movie. The whole movie itself. And that would be Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I absolutely love that movie. I love the soundtrack. Yeah. And he, he, he comes in at the end, um, and so... Kevin Costner movie, man. Yes, yes. Yes. Kevin Costner, uh, <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Antonio, and then the Brian Adams song, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. I mean, yes. the whole package. That's Morgan my number Freeman. four. That Morgan Freeman, so, yes. Christian is Slater. Like essential 90s movie. <laughs> Alan Rickman, come on. Yeah, Alan Rickman. yeah. It's very essential. <laughs> I I can't believe I actually forgot that he was in that film. So yeah, because yeah, he he did have a little bit smaller part. Right, so, right yeah. at the end. <laughs> but awesome. <laughs> And, so, and, well, okay. and the thing I, what the thing with that is because they had him at the end of that as the king that returns. Mel Brooks had Patrick Stewart basically play that role. Yes, oh in my Robin gosh, Hood in so Men in Tights. Yes. Yeah, so you have Patrick Stewart playing basically the Sean Connery type role from Robin Hood, mm-hmm. Prince of Thieves. I thought that was <laughs> really funny. So, all right, what's your number oh, uh, three? That is funny. All right, so I see your Robin Hood, and I will raise you a spy, another spy. I guess there's, I think, okay, that's funny. I'm looking over my list, and he was this, there was a spy theme. <laughs> right, right. For my other ones, too, so it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> this is Entrapment okay. with Catherine Zeta Jones. And I just remember loving the film because I really like Catherine Zeta Jones, and I, that was kind of the height for me of like, ooh, he's an older man, but he's kind of sexy. Right, <laughs> right. Like he can still be sexy in this role. And it was, you know, it was really um, enjoyable film. I just, I really like it. The whole art thief storyline. <laughs> so like high stakes art theft. Right. <laughs> and I think around that same time uh, as Entrapment, which I will talk about mm-hmm. also in a little bit, we also had the Thomas Crown Affair with Pierce Brosnan and uh, Rene Russo stealing the art from the museums. Those Very came those similar. came out around the same time. It's just kind that of funny. That always happens with like one studio's <clears throat> doing an iteration of a story right. and then another one does. Yeah. I have no comment because I will talk about Entrapment in a little bit. Oh, so you <laughs> so, have Entrapment higher than number three. I do. Mm-hmm. My number three, Okay. because I, he, he just had, looked like he was having so much fun and the chemistry between the two, him and the son was just so good. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I mean, first of all, it's an Indiana Jones film. Second of all, he is Indiana Jones's father. Indiana Jones's father, yeah. And then you also had River Phoenix was in it as the young Indiana Jones, and I'm a big River Phoenix yeah. fan. But Sean, just the whole chemistry between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, the whole throughout the whole movie, they would bicker back and forth. I, I just loved it. I, I when I think Sean Connery, that's one of the movies I think of as Indiana Jones uh, in the Last Crusade. So. That's my number three. Number two. I was actually torn because I also, I like, if we were going to number six, then that would have been my number six. Like, oh. um, the Indian, Indiana <laughs> okay. Jones. Okay, know? yeah. But I was like, mm, 
I, I like the the other action films just because I don't know. Like he was okay, but he wasn't like like if I'm watching a film for Sean Connery, then this was my list. So number two, my number two is kind of a mix of a few films because I'm gonna say Bond, James Bond. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I can't do the accent very well. That didn't sound that bad. He was. I just have to say he was hot, man. In the '60s, he was. James Bond. <laughs> and so I've seen Dr. No and Goldfinger and I just I really enjoyed those two films. I know that he also was in several other James Bond films. There's You Only Live Twice. There was uh, Thunderball. Never Say um, Never Again. Never Say Never. From Russia with Love. Um, but but I, re- I remember Goldfinger and Dr. No the most. And I, there was just some really iconic scenes that he was a part of. And he made that character. So there wouldn't be other Bonds without him. So, so true. Just, you just, you have to like bow down to knowing that he was James Bond. <laughs> so you're so saying, number two. you're saying so I need to Bond give uh, his Bond films a, a look-see, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I would say, and definitely, <laughs> yeah, those those two I think are, are my favorites. I've seen the other ones, but they're not as memorable to me for some reason. Okay. Uh, um, at least not recently. It's been a while since I did watch them, but it's, oh, like, because, because of like Austin Powers. Oh, I love um, Austin Powers. Like back around when Austin Powers was coming out was when I got interested in seeing these original like Bond movies because he was, you know, parodying that. So if we're speaking of comedy and parody, then that, it, you know, kind of goes back to seeing the original Bond movies so that you, you have even more of a sense of what they're making fun of, you know? So so there's that. He's my number two. True, true. And I absolutely love the Austin Powers films. And so I, I just wrote down a couple of uh, Sean Connery films I will be checking out. Besides mm-hmm. Highlanders and Untouchables, I'll check out Dr. No and Goldfinger and From Russia with Love. So the three, his first three Bond films. Shame on me for never having watched them. I apologize, but like I said, I've seen the Timothy Dalton one and I've seen the Pierce Brosnan and the um, some of the Daniel Craig ones. Okay, so my number two is one that you talked about earlier, and that would be The Rock. I really enjoyed The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy anything that has to do with Alcatraz. Uh, I, I've... Yes. I, I've always had a fascination with Alcatraz. And then Nicolas Cage, I tell you what, there was a time period, I mean, in the 80s, he did comedies like Raising Arizona and Honeymoon in Vegas and stuff like that. But then in the 90s, like, he had that stretch of Face Off and uh, The Rock and Leaving Las Vegas where he won, like, an Oscar from and it. Con Air, right? Con Air. And then and yeah. uh, Snake Eyes. Like, he had this whole, like, group of films that were really, really good. And then he just kind of disappeared a little bit. And then he came back like in the 2000s with like National Treasure and stuff like that. But nowadays, and maybe gone in 60 seconds, but now it it just seems like Nicolas Cage is just collecting a paycheck. Like he's he's like <laughs> straight to video, straight to DVD uh, movies. Yeah. But back in the late 90s, between Face Off, Con Air, and The Rock, this guy was on fire. And you pair him with Sean Connery. And then, right. Ed, ha- and then Ed Harris as the and bad Ed guy. Harris? Yeah. Uh, 
It was so good. It was so good. I, I love everything about that movie. Like you said, it was I a really Michael Bay the film. Thriller. Yeah, it was Michael Bay. So yeah. it was totally action packed and I love it. That's yeah, one of those I can I can watch over again. It's The Rock. Mm-hmm. I love it. So that was my number two. What's your what's your number one? <gasps> All right, drum roll. You may have heard this mentioned already, but it is my number one, and it is first night with Sean Connery, Richard Gere, and Julia Ormond. Oh, it is Julia Ormond. Julia Ormond. I thought it was Gabriel Anwar. Okay. I was wondering why you said that name earlier. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I got the wrong uh, wrong lady. Julia Ormond. That's right. And I just, uh, like, I've had this VHS tape since college, I think, because I loved this film. It was, like, one of my favorite romance films. And, like, it's funny to see like I, I'm holding it in my hand right now and even the tagline on the on the front of the cover says their greatest battle would be for her love <laughs> you know like it was <laughs> so I just I I love it it's you know King Arthur and Camelot and oh uh, that was a little cheesy just, there Hollywood cheesy oh, so cheesy <laughs> But so, like, so enjoyable. Like a guilty pleasure that, you you know, right. it's one of those warm and fuzzy. For me, when you need something that's just warm and fuzzy and you can put it on and just feel better. And and it's kind of like I've said before, like sometimes when you watch a film from a different part of your life, it reminds you of, like, what you were doing during that part of your life, you know? And, like, all those hopes and dreams that you once had. <laughs> At the time, true. We were a hopeless romantic and just loved all those rom-com movies or whatever. This isn't really a comedy. It was more, you know, but it's the romance. It's the, um, you know, just the story of Lancelot and King Arthur and fighting over the love of the princess. You know, it's I mean, you had iconic. you had Richard Gere and Sean Connery. How could you go wrong, yeah. right? I know, right? I it's mean, kind of every girl's dream in the '90s. Every girl's dream would right. be to be. You know, fought over by Richard Gere, who was like in Pretty Woman and right. all these films. <laughs> Runaway Bride, yeah, Officer and Gentleman. Yeah. So, and I'm a guy, but I will tell you that those are probably two of the sexiest guys from the <laughs> yeah. '90s: Richard Gere and Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do enjoy that movie. It did make my list at number five. Um, I changed it after I saw you talking about it uh, earlier. I changed it because I did have The Hunt for Red October as my number five. That. That would have been that was close on my list too. Maybe that's like number seven for me. But, <laughs> but once I saw First Night and I was reminded, I'm like, yes, that was a really good film. I, I did enjoy it, even though I got the actress wrong. <laughs> right. Um, my number one, and it was one that you mentioned, and I absolutely love it, and it's Entrapment. That made me such a, a Sean Connery fan because he was so cool and so suave. But yes. And it made me a huge Catherine Zeta-Jones fan. Right? Like, I think that kind of broke out her... Like, she was in other things before that. Right. But, like, she was definitely a superstar yeah. after that. Yeah, like, she was, like, Mask of Zorro a little bit with Antonio Banderas. But once she did Entrapment, and she's doing that whole laser... The lasers in the room, and she's going up and down and crawling in yeah. and out and uh, trying to get to the, um, to the artwork. Just amazing... I think she's absolutely beautiful. 
Just really fun. She's yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And and Sean Connery was such a. I mean, and they kept going back and forth. You didn't know who was like. They had really good on screen chemistry. Yeah. And you yeah. didn't know who was playing who, like who was conning who. It, so that's that's my number one. That's my all time favorite because it's such a good uh, heist movie. Uh, like you said earlier. So, all right. So that was our Sean Connery Pop 5. And now I have a huge list of it. movies to put on uh, my holds at the library. Yeah. <laughs> some Sean <Yeah>. Connery films. <laughs> some Mel Brooks films. Okay, so that was our Pop 5. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. Hollywood said she's going to set up a contest um, for that. Hollywood, you want to remind them about that as well one more time? Yeah. So go to our Facebook page and like us, first of all. And then stay tuned and... Um, be looking out for the information that we will post about how to enter to win a Duncan gift card so that you can have coffee or donuts on us and um, and then enjoy our show every time. All right, so that is our show. You can catch me, Ben Gavitt, on uh, Twitter at Ben Gavitt, Hollywood. And you can find me on Instagram at Hollywood801. All right, so uh, that is it for us in Pop Culture Shock. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody. It's a great night to watch a movie. 